Hello and welcome to Monday Night Therapy with John and Todd. Or is it John and Todd's Monday Night Therapy? I can never remember. I don't remember. We're, you're John, I'm Todd. We're trying to provide therapy. <laughs> God help these people. Look, there's 10 already joined us. <sighs> How you doing, Todd? How was your week? Oh, my week last week? I'll tell you what. I was wiped out, man. I saw the state of Nebraska. I started Tuesday night in Grand Island and all the way to Scotts Bluff and finally made my way back. So, um, yeah, busy week. Watched some football on the weekend. But I am absolutely drained for whatever reason tonight. I am too. I am dragging. I did not work out today, and uh, my body is very upset with me. So if I seem a little off, well, shit, I'm always off, aren't I? <laughs> Let's well, just get into it. Yeah. Don't answer yeah. that. Don't answer yeah. that. All right. Todd, All right. Todd, moment of truth. Oh. At what point did you think we were going to lose to Wisconsin? When the game started. <laughs> really? No, no, no. I'll <laughs> I when did I when did I think we were going to lose at at the start of the second half? You know when the team, the defense held up pretty strong, but all of us, yeah, I mean we couldn't we we couldn't move the ball, and it, it seemed like any life that the offense had had. You know, I, I wouldn't say quickly disappeared, but it disappeared. Um, and and the way that Wisconsin plays, it was just a matter of time before they wore our defense out. And, you know, following along on the thread on coordination, you know, people were using the terms, you know, here comes, you know, the Badger, you know, ground and pound and, you know, all of those types of things. It, it was, it, it was inevitable i kept hoping that somehow some way um they might be able to connect with uh, trey palmer for some big plays or or you know whatever but you know the offense was anemic and um you know i just really wonder um you know i i haven't been a a real strong critic of um coach whipple but Boy, it seemed to me like he mailed it in on Saturday. Um, I yeah, it it that was it was frustrating to watch. Should I defend him? Sure, you can go ahead. And Would defend. you like me to defend him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to okay. hear what you. Have to I say. I know that I know that a lot of people. I've seen people all season long. Uh, fire Mark Whipple. Fire Mark Whipple. Uh, you know, you, you can't really fire the only guy that knows how to be an offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. True. But I, I think that the key here is I, what was disappointing for me most, most of all about Wisconsin is normally the interior of our offensive line is dependable. But what you saw was a whole gob of low snaps or bad snaps from Trent Hickson and and that threw the timing off, and you saw that on some game. I, this offense is so fragile that if anything goes wrong in that three sets of downs you get to get, you know, I know you get four sets of downs to get a first down, but in that three, the first down, second down, third down, they, they're so fragile that if they get a false start, if they get a holding call, if they get anything, then they're off schedule and they're screwed. And 
you know, you saw so many times the ball was snapped low and Casey Thompson had to reach down and, you know, pick it up or reach down for it. By then, if he had a running back that was going to get a handoff, that guy has to pause. And everything's blown up at that point. There's not a – yeah, I, I know that I am not enamored with Mark Whipple, but right now he's trying to call an offense without a functional offensive line. And he can't, yeah. You can't do it. I, no, you can't. You're right with that. And what has gotten into Trent Hicks in the last four games? I mean, um, you, you know, it seemed like he was pretty reliable. I mean, my goodness gracious, we dealt with two years of Cam Jurgens trying to figure out how to snap the ball. And uh, it seemed to me that at least at the beginning of the season, that was one thing we didn't have to worry about. But then all of a sudden, geez, in the last four games, Trent Hickson has put about as many of them on the ground as he has, you know, knee-high, waist-high. So, anyway, you know what? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The second thing that I, I will criticize him on one point. No, two points. No, five. Anyway, uh, number one, there never seems to be a check down. And if you had an offensive line that didn't function and Casey Thompson was going back to pass, you'd think that you'd, uh, you'd – Always keep a guy in and then release him. You know what I mean? Like a back for uh, extra protection, a tight end that's blocking that, you know, then releases late. Some kind of check down for Casey Thompson to go, okay, nobody's open. Bloop, you know, you don't see that at all. And that's really uh, – and then the other thing is no wide – not very wide receiver screens or bubble screens, things like that. Things where the ball can come out fast and – and, you know, maybe Trey Palmer could break some. You know, living in Omaha, David Matney says, John, can you please say hello to my wife, Angela? She is a big fan of the channel. Hello, Angela. And and thank you very much for supporting us. Uh, Blaine Cole is here from Japan again. Let's see who else was. Uh, oh, my God, I had some of these people in here. Fongwei Reldman. I'm pretty sure that's his real name. He's here tonight. Highlander Gunn, Aaron Keene. Kingsley Gevins, Aussie Fight Day, who says, I want Deion Sanders to coach Nebraska. We'll get into coach talk because we don't really have a choice now. Terry uh, Bush says, what you're talking about is good coaching. What's that? I just uh, – <laughs> Good coaching is what, is what Coach Bush has been doing. That's good coaching. That, that is. That is true. He has done a very good job. I think the defense is, is – I think the defense has played pretty well. I asked you when you thought we were going to lose to Wisconsin. When we couldn't make a first down on our last offensive possession, I, I turned to Heidi and I said, well, this is done. We know how this ends. You know, just because we couldn't do it anymore. The defense couldn't do it. And then they gave up that one freaking pass, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I also, and you mentioned already, and I guess it's been one of those things that I've, read and heard quite a bit over the last few weeks and and you know the the sentiment that some fans have expressed about firing Whipple we should have fired him three or four weeks and and I just want to echo what you said John you know they, they fired the head coach they fired the defensive coordinator they elevated an, a wide receiver coach to the head position and they brought up a couple of uh, you know analysts or grad assistants or whomever they were you know, to fill those coaching spots. And, you know, if they would have unloaded the offensive coordinator, I mean, my goodness gracious, you got to have at least one uh, aspect of some consistency. Now, certainly Mark Whipple, 
Um, his offense did not live up, you know, to any expectations that I'm sure anyone had. And it's been very, very frustrating uh, to watch, especially, you know, when, um, I, you know, truth be told, when uh, our former head coach was calling the offense, you know, there was a lot of creative uh, play calling. There were a lot of creatively designed plays. You know, uh, this offense wasn't consistent. I mean, you know, I'm not going to put it up there with a high-functioning, high-powered offense. It certainly wasn't. But um, maybe we all just kind of got spoiled uh, with the fact that, um, you know, from week to week we might see something a little bit different, something that would uh, possibly in, in, inject a little bit of energy into the offense. And we just haven't seen that. Like I said, I, I think Coach Whipple mailed it in. Uh, this week, it was a frustrating game to watch. Um, <laughs> and then you got to look at it. And I understand this is the worst Wisconsin team in a lot of years, a lot of years. Um, game that Nebraska uh, should have won. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is they couldn't put it together um, and sustain it for four, um, for four quarters. My dog is being... Uh, she's she's more disruptive than the the, the chat section here uh what was i gonna say wisconsin you know the good thing about wisconsin their fans uh, are all going crazy because they're like uh they haven't named jim leonard if they were just gonna hire him just name him coach they're all going insane about their coaching search too and they're getting very upset and frustrated and it, it was funny to hear that from some of the wisconsin guys i know and it, it brought me joy, even though it, it didn't really bring me enough joy. Well, I, I heard that they formally advertised the position this week. So now they can hire him. <sighs> well, I, I guess their announcement of Jim Landard as their head coach is imminent. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, you too can have a splashy looking outfit like yeah. our benevolent leader, John Johnson, is wearing tonight. Now, I wanna caution everyone, uh, that's only gonna look good on some people. Some <laughs> people. It, it is one of those outfits that reflects the personality and the character of the individual who wears it. John can pull it off. 98% of men over the age of 30 in the United States of America cannot pull that off, but John can. Just think of yourself as being permanently on a cruise. <laughs> I've never been on a cruise, but I imagine this is what they wear. Hey, baby. Anyway, uh, I told you, I told you, Todd, I was going to bring a surprise. I was going to speak English. I was going to come up with a surprise topic you knew nothing about. Yeah, well, I've been kind of thinking about that. You threw that to me right before we went on the air. So I haven't had you time ready? to get nervous. What, what is ready? the surprise topic? I want us to discuss something that I've always find, I find just interesting about human beings. And that is the dichotomy, such a big word, of... CEO pay versus co college coach pay. And what I mean is this. People get very upset 
when CEOs make gazillions of gazillions of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, people get upset and they go, they're not worth that money. And then they get angry at them. But when we come to college coaches, people have an extremely different attitude. Maybe this is just a shitty topic, but you know, we'll see from the comments section. People just have a different attitude. I mean, Matt Rule right now might be our next head coach. Just hire him, throw money at him, you know, just drop whatever he needs, get it done. And then we end up with these coaching salaries, I mean, that are dumb because most athletic directors are really terrible at business. And right now, Texas A&M is sitting there with Jimbo Fisher. Did you see the, the shot of their after halftime? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like 100 people left in the stadium. Uh, you know, they're stuck there with a guy that they have to buy out for like $95 million, and they, uh, uh, $95, $97 million. And the price of oil is like, I don't know, it's down. That's what it is. It's down. So they're going to sit there with this coach that nobody wants anymore. And I don't know. I guess I just think that that's interesting how people view those two things. Is that an interesting topic or is it just dumb? Well, I don't know if it's dumb, but I think that to me, where you erase any kind of an argument is the fact that 98, 99% of all college coaches, whether they be head football coaches, you know, the ones that get the big money, head football coaches, head men's basketball coaches, they're public employees. They're public employees. They're not running corporations with private shareholders and that type of thing. It's a totally, to me, it's a totally different situation. I think, I think the, the, the salaries that have been paid to uh, Division I coaches have been ridiculously out of whack for the last 20 years. Uh, when you look at the 50 states in this country and the highest paid public employee in, I think it's last time I looked, 49 of the 50 states is either a head men's basketball coach or a head football coach, that's, that's disgusting. That, that, that's disgusting. There are public employees that serve a much greater need in most of our states than a head coach. I don't know if that's where you were going with this when you brought it up, but um, you know, that's, that's kind of where I think. I just, I just always think that it's interesting, you know, that they, people are, I, they just have that attitude, just, you know, throw money at them, give them whatever he wants. And then they don't get upset. In fact, in fact, I'll tell you this. What are we looking at right now? I mean, let's go right into the coach stuff. The the bigger ones right now that are on top of the list, you know, Matt Rule was up there last week, and then there's kind of this thing, well, Matt Rule told him no. Or there was some argument with the NFL uh, owner of the Carolina Panthers. I can't remember their name because he, he you know, there, there's contract issues there, and, and maybe Matt Rule isn't going to meet the minimum requirement to satisfy the NFL owners for the contract issues or something. So now we've got Chris Kleiman, who I did a video on, Kansas State coach, Lance Leipold, who I did a video on today. Both those co coaches have risen to the top. They're a little, probably a little bit cheaper than Matt Rule. You look at Lance Leipold, he's like, I think he's getting like three and a half million dollars a year or something at Kansas. So 
So that guy's, it's almost as if, if we don't pay like $8 million a year for a coach, people are going to be upset that we didn't, if we would have paid more money, somehow we would have gotten a guy that would win more games, which I just, I find all of this just bizarre. Well, it's probably point, not too, that interesting to most people, but well, in the back, in back of my mind, you know, um, I think that there, you know, you look at the situation with Jimbo Fisher and, you know, look at the situation with some of these other buyouts that have been in place or, or, well, look, you know, with Nebraska, I mean, you know, Scott Frost, $15 million. And, you know, we've joked um, that was his buyout. Scott Frost coached at this institution for five years. And I don't know what the total amount of money is that he's stuck in his pocket, but you know, wh how did the state benefit from paying him that much money? You know, how did how did I, I, I don't get it. But maybe maybe Trev Alberts is going to lead somewhat of a charge to have a little bit more responsible fit. You know, a little bit a little bit higher fiscal responsibility. I still think that they're going to pay a head coach quite a bit of money. But maybe maybe those contracts will start to be structured a little bit different based upon some incentives and some of those other types of things. I mean, you know, even Mark Stoops down at Kentucky, the contract that he has insulates him so well. Um, and, you know, we can – I don't know. You know, John, we've had – uh, we've we've had a lot of conversations about, um, you know, the 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 functions of an athletic department and and uh, coaches pay and and buyouts and all that kind of stuff. I I don't know. So at some point in time, uh, I think things are going to come home to roost and, and people are going to have to start looking at things a little bit differently. Okay. We've been saying that for years, and the contracts keep going up. They're going to make billions of dollars now. But but then again, you know, and I just see Matt Hansen just posted, can't go bargain basement like with Riley. Oh, I agree 100%. I don't think Riley – I don't think that Mike Riley was brought here because we could get him cheap. I don't think that right. was the case. I think that Sean Eichhorst was determined that he wanted the anti-Bopolini, and he got him, period. Uh, okay. We're going to take some viewer, listener comments, whatever you want to call them. Kingsley Gibbons says, what's going to happen if there's still new, new, no news after the Iowa game? Not sure if we will take it very much longer. You'll take it as long as they, they decide to let you take it, buddy. That's the answer to that question. Well, there's not going to be any news after the Iowa game. Okay, because the Iowa game's Friday. And the rest of college football is going to play Saturday. And you have to keep in mind that, listen, my opinion on this whole coach search thing is that nobody knows shit. I mean, we just keep throwing names out. Guys like us, you know, probably Todd because he, you know, well, Todd does now because he's a content creator. You are an influencer, Todd, or something. Yeah. I don't know what that means. But we have to constantly come up with content. We have to, guys that do radio shows have to talk about something every day. That's why you've seen 83 names discussed because there's no real names out there that you, anybody can solidify because Trev Alberts has played this so well and kept it so quiet. So where the hell was I going with this? Okay, Iowa, Friday, you know, whatever. We'll talk about the Iowa game. Saturday, everybody else is still playing. Sunday is a day of rest. <laughs> right? And then sure. Monday. 
So honestly, I wouldn't expect anything till probably Monday. I would. Ex I, I think you're right, John. And I've paid a little bit of attention. You know, it's it's interesting how when there's uh, in, in some circles, you wait until Friday to dump big news because then you got the weekend. You know how that is. And a lot of time that's bad news or that's something that people really don't want to have to discuss. And they dump it late Friday afternoon because it's at the end of the news cycle. By the same token, if you want to have media attention, let the NFL get done on Sunday, uh, at least from the sports world. Let them get done on Sunday. Let the morning talking heads have their time, you know, on sports talk on Monday morning and then release something in the early afternoon. And that will probably get about as much media attention or late morning, early afternoon. That will probably get about as much uh, bang for your buck as um, as as one could hope. Um so, uh, you know, I'm with you. I expect that there will be uh, news at some point this weekend or very early next week. Um, but I, I, I don't think we're going to get it right after the Iowa game. Um, Trev's got some conversations to have with Mickey Joseph and uh, – He'll have some conversations that he needs to have probably with some of the other assistant coaches. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, as much as we would like it, you know, and, and uh, you know, just hang on, hang on. You're going to make it another few days, you know, is not going to, is not going to cause irreparable harm. You have to consider the fact, I mean, look at all the names. These, this is the list of names. I still have them up on my screen. But a few weeks ago, we all came up with people who are commenting, and Todd and I, Dave Aranda, Bill O'Brien, Matt Campbell, Chris Kleiman, Lane Kifton, Lance Leipold, Dion, I wrote down for the views. Somebody said I should have done a video for for the views. Guy at Coastal Carolina, Matt Rule, Kyle Whittingham, Whittingham, and Dino Babers. Todd, out of all the people I just named, how many of them are still coaching right now? I wasn't counting, but I think almost all of them are. Every one of them except Matt Rule. Except Matt Rule. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so you can't – the idea that we were going to name a coach before this all along was really I just kind of dumb. I mean, it's wishful thinking. It's something we wanted to happen, so we look for signs. Kind of like you bought a new Jeep Wagoneer and suddenly you see it everywhere. Everything we read and everything we looked at was about confirmation bias. Oh, they're going to announce a coach soon. No, they weren't. They were never going to. Uh, and it, consider this. If it doesn't happen like this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, or Sunday, Monday, what does that mean? Well, if we don't hear something Sunday, Monday, then yeah. I think what that what that means is, is I think whoever we are um, pursuing or perhaps whoever Trev has a deal with is still coaching. <gasps> what? Who would I mean, that be? Well, I, I think out that of all those be, names that I just listed, you're it could be it, well, all of them except for Matt Rule. But, you know, no, after this weekend, well, the only of them, championship games. Right, right. I, I don't know. You know, I'm still holding out hope <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know why, but I'm still holding out hope that Nebraska that that, you know, Nebraska is going to get our Lincoln Riley or our Brian Kelly. I hope that there's, you know, something that has happened 
you know, behind the scenes that Trev Alberts has been able to keep secret or whatever. And when he steps up to that podium, that he announces the name of, of someone that uh, will surprise all of us. Because, well, you know, I'll just throw one out. I know some people have brought this guy's name up. But what about a Luke Fickle? And, you know, he, he's, again, I've heard some people mention him. But, you know, all of a sudden it seemed like he was dismissed because he's got such a good gig at Cincinnati. You know, he's an Ohio boy. He'll only go to Ohio State and that kind of thing. But someone like that, you know, or, you know, another sitting coach that's out there that uh, perhaps um, would be attractive. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Somebody had it right. At Doomsday Diesel, maybe. Uh, Chris Kleiman would still probably be coaching because he has the Big 12 championship coming up the week after. So uh, do you have top three coaches, Todd? Well, I'm not sure if I do or not. I mean, Oh, I've my been, God, you're supposed to come to this show prepared. Or... I, well, I, I've been so all <laughs> over the place. You know, I was hot on Dave Aranda at the very beginning. I really was, and I still – think that, you know, he would have some potential. Okay, so Doomsday Diesel, he just threw out my top pick, and people have laughed me off the face of the earth for this. Zach Taylor. And everybody has given me multiple reasons why Zach Taylor will never be the head coach at Nebraska. But, you know, uh, he hasn't recruited. He hasn't had to recruit. Well, you know, hire Mickey Joseph, you know. Um Whatever. I, I guess to me, um, I've, I've said on this on this podcast before, there's a lot of people that I think will do a good job. And, you know, whomever it is, I don't have a real strong, a, a real strong um, favorite, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. OK, this is from earlier. Joel, Joel Tilson, Rayola still coaching our pathetic old line. Uh, he is for another week. Yep, for another week, and I he'll mean, be that's, gone. That's really, you know, that's a position you really, you couldn't fire any more coaches. Otherwise, you would have assumed that he would have been gone because the offensive line is terrible. Uh, whew, this is a this is a leading question. Uh, David Matney asked, just curious, when do you think Scott Frost gave up, or when do you think he was realized he was in over his head? I don't know. Here's the thing. I was thinking about this today, and I was thinking, did he really just do so bad a job this year so he would get fired early? Because there's that question. Okay, consider that. Doomsday Diesel says, do you think if we paid Frost much less, he would have been motivated to coach better? And then uh, Fongway, our buddy Fongway, is the entire administration also inept for blowing $5 million for not wanting to wait another three weeks before firing Frosty? Uh, I know what oh, I think about Do you want to go with those or you want me to go? I, I want you take those. I mean, I want to contemplate a little bit. All of those are really good comments and or questions and statements. Okay, number one, uh, I don't think you could have done anything to coach – I, it, nothing would have motivated Scott Frost to coach any differently than he did. I don't really see this other than Scott Frost just really deciding that uh, I'm going to go do this. And 
I'm going to be successful at it. Everything we know about Scott Frost, rumors and everything, really indicate that he, it, you know, saying he was over his head is a nice way of saying uh, he thought he could just show up and be a coach, yeah. which is kind of disturbing given the fact that he was mentored by some of the greatest coaches in 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 football, I mean, across the board, you go through the number of coaches he was exposed to, where he ever got the idea that he could just show up and the team would do what he wanted, I, that's just hubris. There is nothing in there that could have changed that. And I mean, obviously, Tom Osborne probably had some influence or some kind of, you know, meant, I, I, listen, Tom Osborne was a legendary football coach. He wasn't a very good athletic director and he wasn't, you know, he tried to run for governor and tried to be in politics. He wasn't very good at that. The other thing I think that Tom Osborne is really exceptional at is mentoring. He has a whole big, what's it called, Todd? Teammates. Teammates. There you go. That does mentoring. I, for God's sakes, if Scott Frost ever thought he was in over his head, all he would have had to do is raise his hand and say help. And the some of the best fucking mentors that you guys could think of would have gone, okay, what do you need, Scott? And they would have helped him. So there's nothing that could have changed this trajectory other than Scott Frost just saying, okay, I need help, please. And then falling away with the entire administration in app for blowing $5 million for not wanting to wait. Here's what I'm going to say about that. We don't know what happened. There's been no... No information, no uh, rumors, nothing about what happened the night he got, you know, the night before the morning he got fired. And I'm sure that that will come out someday. But I'm guessing that the reason he got fired then is because Trev Alberts just determined he was too fucking toxic to keep around the program anymore. Because otherwise, there's there's no other reason for that. I mean, he had... There's something that had to have happened there to say, you know what, it is worth $7.5 million fucking dollars to fire your ass right now, and I'm going to do it. So I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, talking about that last question, um, is the department inept? No. The Nebraska Athletic Department is not inept. It's probably one of the better functioning athletic departments in the country. Unfortunately, we don't have men's basketball and football programs that can win at this point in time. And that's something that uh, is going to be a, 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 a pretty strong weight on Trav Albert's shoulder in terms of him figuring out how he's going to support and move those programs forward. Outside of that, the athletic program or the athletic department in Nebraska is, is a very well-functioning, very efficient um organization so you know and you know we've had a, a few people post here that uh are not trev alberts fans if you've paid any attention to me over the last five years i'm not either but you know i guess as far as i'm concerned i think the guy's done a good job as the leader of nebraska athletics and I he has done nothing up until this point that I have strong objection to. And, you know, it goes so much deeper than, you know, waiting a week uh, to, to fire Scott Frost and save some dollars. Uh, 
I don't think that Trev Albert would have done that if he thought that there was any way that he could salvage Scott Frost. And, um, you know, as far as Scott Frost, I think one of the initial questions was, you know, when did he give up? Um, I think Scott Frost gave up before this season even started. I think when uh, he was, you know, I mean, it's all speculation, but speculation is, is that he was told uh, by Trev Albert that he needed to bring in some new assistant coaches, that he needed to unload some assistant coaches. Um, I, I think that Frost viewed that as, um, you know, I, 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 I don't think Frost wanted to do that. Um, I think that he, he was very uncomfortable having to do that. And, um, at that point in time, uh, I think Frost basically said, well, I'll see how long I can stay, stay in charge, how, how long I can hang on. That's, that's kind of an oversimplification of that. Bradley Warnick says, need your prediction on how the head coach news will break. We're going to get, uh, they're going to send through their uh, media outlets. They're going to send about an hour ahead of time that uh, the Nebraska Athletic Department is going to have a news conference and uh, they might say something that it's relative to football or they might not. <laughs> you know, they, everybody's going to assume that if Trev Alberts is calling for a news conference, it's going to be to announce the new head coach. Uh, but they they will do it about an hour ahead of time through all of their media releases. And uh, anybody with a camera, anybody with a recorder, anybody with a pad and a pencil is going to get to Lincoln, Nebraska, to West Stadium as fast as they possibly can so that they can be in the room to listen to what Trev Alberts is going to say. Yeah, I think the problem with this, how the head coach news will break, there has been so much bullshit spewing about this coaching search over the past month. I mean, honestly, God, truth is who you're going to trust. You, I don't break news. I'm not a news-breaking kind of guy because I have other things to do in my life. Like, you know, I only do this part-time. But I don't mean to be rude to these guys. Are you really going to trust Steve Sippel or Sean Callahan anymore to break this shit? I'm not going to trust guys, anybody. Yeah, I don't know why you would trust a single media member anywhere in, for any reason. Because all of them have come out with every son, you know what I mean? Joel Tilson said, John only breaks wind. Well, that's, yes. That's, and he does <laughs> a good job. I mean, yeah. you know. But I just, I don't, are you going to really trust any of these people with all the names that have been thrown around? No. I think the only time you're going to trust what happens is when Trevor Albert stands up with the coach and said, and introduce the next head coach in Nebraska, Chris Kleiman. Yeah, you know, I, I'm trusting no one. And, you know, all of this, again, it's to score points. You know, I mean, people have gone bonkers. And some of it's for humor. You know, some of us to get a laugh, you know, to see what they can. But, you know, so many of these people and, you know, on social media and, you know, and some of the regular media and, and that type of thing, you know, what they're trying to do is they want to be able to pat themselves on the back and say, hey, that's who I said it was going to be. And I said that back, you know, on November 13th, I said that Matt Rule was going to be the head coach and I was right, you know, and, and give me a gold star. 
I want a gold star. You know, maybe that's what we should do, John, is we should get a whole bunch of gold stars with little CNs in the middle of them. We should award gold stars when people, you know, do something good, kind of like participation ribbons. Oh, good for you, Steve. Good for you, Chris. Good for you, whoever. Okay, James Marshall. Do you think Wisconsin and Nebraska are playing a game of chicken because Leipold and Leonard are being viable options for both programs? No. No. Wisconsin's going to hire Leonard. And, you know, here's something that is unique in some states, and I'm pretty sure that Wisconsin is one of them. You know, these are public – football coaches are public employees. And it's no different than if they're hiring – you know, a, a, a new professor in animal science or if, you know, the Department of Transportation is hiring, you know, some new employees. You have to go through the protocols and the processes to hire public employees. Yeah, and in the state yeah. of Wisconsin, they have to, you know, go through uh, their job description. I mean, as stupid as it sounds, that's public bureaucracy. You know, they go through and they have to, they are by law required to review their their job descriptions, you know, and they have to do all this kind of stuff and then they have to post the job and they've got to go through the process. So, you know, why didn't they do that three or four weeks ago? Well, you know, I think pretty much uh, Leonard was going to be the head coach from the day that they, they got rid of Paul Christ. Otherwise, why would they have gotten rid of Paul Christ at that point in time? I think Wisconsin's kind of, you know, when you look at Wisconsin, they are a Big Ten university. I know we look at us. I know that we 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 are now a Big Ten university, but I I don't think that we're a Big Ten university like other Big Ten universities. Ohio State football is a huge, enormous thing, and it drives it. What did Ramsey Nazarella, who runs the Level Warriors, tell me? He told me about football for Ohio State University. That football is the spearhead of you know basically their marketing. The football is the thing that is the tip, the spear that drives them forward at Ohio State. That is not true for the University of Wisconsin. No. So over the not. years, when you look at Wisconsin, you've seen like Bert, Brett Bellema left there because they wouldn't give him more money for assistance. Uh, who was the coach that just left like in midseason? Was it Gary Anderson? Yeah, Gary Anderson. Yeah, because he, he was like, you know, you won't let me do what I want to do. It has to be done all this Wisconsin way stuff. That's why Jim Leonard is going to get hired there is because he's a Wisconsin guy. Uh, do they have nil money? They probably have nil money, but it's not that football for them is not going to spearhead driving their, their university uh, forward and making them more of a university than they already are. I mean, they're kind of tempered by the fact that the Green Bay Packers are in Wisconsin and that whole state, you know, is, you know, just, they have pet the Packers and the Bucks and things like that to distract them. So, and they have an incredible they have an incredible farmers market in the spring summer and fall in Madison. That's the state capital of Wisconsin sits up on a hill in Madison and all the way around on all four sides they've got a farmers market that is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Just amazing. <laughs> 5280 Tom says is Dion still in the running? Has he been in the running? I don't think so. Has he been a serious candidate? 
I, I, I mean, know. I, I think Deion Sanders is, is happy to coach where Deion Sanders is coaching. I well, I think, think Deion he, Sanders is going to land a, a, an FBS job. And I think it, I, I, th- I could see Deion Sanders at Florida State. I could see Deion Sanders at Miami. Um, I think that there are some schools where Deion Sanders will land. But, you where know. Where did he play? He played at Florida State. That's what I thought. You think he's going to go coach for Miami? If Deion, if that's <laughs> only, Deion Sanders wants to coach Division One football. And if that's the only if, – if, if that opportunity – I'll tell you what. You know, you talk about being in the hotbed of recruits. Holy smokes. Miami, he, he, all he would have to do is just jump in his car and drive 10 minutes and run into all kinds of talent down there. I, I don't – here's here's where I'm at with Deion Sanders. You know, over the years, especially, you know, once he got out of college, I couldn't stand him when he was in college. Um, but, you know, when he, he became a pro, he was a pro's pro. He really couldn't tackle worth a damn, but he didn't have to because they hardly ever threw the ball to his side of the field because he was such a good cover cornerback. But I also loved watching him play baseball. And, you know, I've got an affection for Deion Sanders because of that whole two-sport thing. Bo Jackson is probably one of my top two or three favorite athletes of all time. But Deion Sanders – is not a fit for Nebraska. And fit is important. It is important. And Deion Sanders, as much flash as he would bring, as much of attention as he would bring to Nebraska, there are many, many, many Nebraskans that would not support Deion Sanders, even if he wins. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going any further. (laughs) Uh, MWI 87, why is Gus Melzon not an option? Jude just consistently wins football games. It's all he's ever done. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't either. His name hasn't been brought up at all. Maybe, is he coaching? He's, uh, he's at UCF. He's, he's, uh, he followed Josh Heupel. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. I don't know why his name hasn't come up. Maybe that's it. Maybe Shane Cott says not another UCF coach. Maybe maybe that's it. That oh God, we already did that once. Uh, let's see here. Let's ta- well, let's do two in a row from this dude. He's he's uh, hitting base hits. MWI eighty seven says, will the next coach understand what an offensive defensive line are, and how fundamentally crucial it is crucial it is to winning at Nebraska. Trev Alberts, uh, remember during his press conference when he fired, you know, he announced he fired that last guy, he talked a little bit about what he was looking for in a coach. And one of the things he brought up was uh, development, that he wanted Nebraska to be key in development of players. And one of the other things he brought up, if I remember right, was uh, tough I want to say tough nose. That's not the phrase I'm looking for. Hard nosed. Hard nosed. God. And the, fundamentally the words get jumbled sound. In my damaged brain. Go ahead again. I'm sorry. Fundamentally sound. There you go. Fundamentally sound and uh, hard nosed, not tough nosed. <laughs> uh, tough, hard nosed to me and, and fundamentally sound means you have really good offensive and defensive lines. I can't you're imagine those. I can't imagine that Trev Alberts is going to hire a coach that doesn't have a plan for putting heavy emphasis on the trenches, both sides of the ball. 
Jose Montez says, I just want to know when they're going to announce the new coach. I would, if I had to pick a time and date, I would say next Sunday or Monday. <gasps> I agree. I got to, I got to get a new mouse, man. This thing is failing me miserably. I just hope it doesn't interrupt my World Cup watching. <laughs> Did you watch the game today? Yeah, damn it. That first half was really, really good, and then they didn't adjust. I mean, Wales was really on the attack in the second half, and the U.S. didn't have an answer for him. And um, I don't like Christian Bale. Never been into man buns, and I blame soccer for that. I, I had to leave for the second half and go take care of a car issue. Wait just a minute. Did I say Christian Bale? Is yes, that his he did. Bale, the last the guy's last name is Bale, but I don't. Yeah, know I think I got my Bales mixed up. Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, Chris Crawford says soccer is for Europeans. Chris, a large percentage of us are all Europeans. That's where we all started. Well, I I coached soccer for ten years. Yeah, uh, Christian you, Bale, the actor. Thank you, MK. <laughs> the other Bale. I coached so youth soccer for 10 years. Gareth Bale. There you all go. All three of my kids. Uh, <laughs> Gareth Bale, think outside the bun. All three of my kids played soccer. So soccer is a, is a, you know, it's a, we enjoy it as a house. I love it. I love it. Uh, let's see here. Beetle B says, and we'll go back to the line. What about the training table? Don't we need bigger kids? We I've need seen stronger kids. Yeah. I, stronger, I've, more explosive kids. I have seen uh, a number of people say this. I looked around social media. I do every day. I go out and I kind of read Facebook comments to the Omaha World Herald and the whatever. And there's been this lately. There's this thing about we need bigger linemen. We don't need bigger linemen. We need more uh, athletic and agile linemen. If you'll notice, yeah. part of the problem is, uh, I, I mean, our tackles can't move. They can't move at all. You can't move your leg. Put it this way. Let's, let's, you know what? We're going to combine two things into one here. Soccer and football. And you can look at the greatest lineman Nebraska ever had, and that is a tall order. It had to be Ndamukong Sue. So what is unique about Ndamukong Sue? Ndamukong Sue started out playing soccer when he was a kid until he got too big and everybody knows, if you, like me, I coach soccer. The big guy always gets the calls against them in soccer. If he even pushes a smaller guy and the guy falls over, he's getting a card for it or he's getting called for it. So Sue played soccer until he couldn't anymore just because uh, he was never going to get it. It was too hard just because of his size. So what do you learn in soccer? He learned how to use his feet. What do you need to be a good lineman? You need feet before you need anything. Well, you need feet that can move because your feet are what controls your leverage. And everything about being a defensive and offensive lineman is about maintaining leverage, you know. And, and, and sometimes, depending upon the play call, if you can pull. And we have not even seen any pulling guards. No, no. Nothing, no pulling from this no. line at all. So three, three, four years ago, the entire Iowa offensive line was made up of former state champion or state place winning wrestlers. Same thing, leverage, feet, and that type of thing. You don't have to be a wrestler to play the offensive line really well, though I think you should because I'm a wrestler. You don't have to be a soccer player. What we need is we need athletic, mobile, mobile, agile, and hostile. That was what Blaine put up just a few minutes ago. 
And, you know, again, television doesn't always give you the best view. But when they showed those Michigan linemen a couple of weeks ago, you know, those guys size-wise, when you would look at height and weight, height and weight compared basically to Nebraska. But when you look at their physiques and how they were proportioned, they look totally different than that. Our strength and conditioning program definitely needs a change. The training table, the nutrition that these guys have, I, I don't think that that is a problem. I, I really don't think that's an issue. Hey, Linda Wilkins isn't here tonight. What the hell? Uh, okay. Okay, Joel Tilson says, would Rule keep $40 million and coach at Nebraska? No. Uh, if I understand your question, no, he can't. He, the part of the thing is, is if he goes and gets a job with like a college team, the, the NFL owner doesn't have to pay that part of the salary. And my understanding, and I'm not a lawyer, is that the conditions have to be met for him to take a job. In other words, the job he can't just go say, I'm going to take a job for $150,000 and have the NFL owner pay that. And there's a legal term for it, and I'm missing it. But, you know, he doesn't get to just get $40 million from the other coach or the other owner and be able to get a college job at the same time without the NFL owner getting some level of complicate or compensation with that. Yeah, theoretically, he has to, you know, the way I understand it, and again, I, I haven't looked into it with a lot of depth, he has, to, he has to get a job that pays approximately the same that he was getting paid to coach the Carolina Panthers. All right, let's go to Ken, Ken McCone. Fickle, Rule, or Kleiman, or none of the three? What do you think, Todd? Well, I'd take any of the three. Yeah. I'd take any I, of those I, guys. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll – I think the thing is, is I, and I did the video on YouTube about uh, – I don't think no matter who we hire, we're going to be disappointed. But uh, I think it's a matter of I – mean, I've seen a lot of people say this stuff about, well, if it's blood da 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 guy, I'm not going to be a fan anymore. My, my, in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, yeah, why don't you move to fucking Canada too, you candy ass? You, that's just it. it. Are you really not going to be a fan? Are you going to take your little ball like a five-year-old and go home? Are you going to give the guy a chance to see what he can do at Nebraska? Because I think even Mike Riley was owed the chance of going, okay, we're going to support him because somebody hired him, and, and we're going to, you know, uh, we're just going to see what happens. You know, I'm not, I'm not the, we're not the people that have to set the criteria, and you know what I mean? <laughs> Hey, Trev Alberts has spent his time looking into this, one would assume. Right. I would agree. Hey, grab that last one from Blaine Cole. Uh, uh, okay. Catch, dang it. It's uh, These are hard to do, Todd. Oh. Well, I figured Gentlemen, you had it mastered. Blaine Cole. Gentlemen, what is the current state of Nebraska's walk-on program, War for Matter, in-state talent? Go ahead. You wanted it, Todd. You, I wanted you, it. You could, okay. First of all, Scott Frost made it a priority to beef up the walk-on program. He wanted 150 players in the program. And one of the criticisms is, well, he's got his 150 players, and a lot of those players are taking meaningful stat snaps, meaningful rip, uh, reps, and attention from coaches away from the top-tier players. Um, from what I understand, and I guess I kind of believe this, 
He's got two doggone many walk-ons, way too many. Walk-on programs are important. Nebraska is the king of the walk-on programs. But rather than having 60 or 70 walk-ons, which, you know, that's what Nebraska has, they probably need to be a little bit more selective and have somewhere in that ballpark a 30 or something like that. Here's the other thing that has to we have to recognize. When they changed scholarship limits and all of that type of thing, there are a lot of guys from Nebraska, native Nebraskans, that they're taking the scholarship money and leaving the state to play. They would rather have an opportunity to go and get playing time someplace else with a scholarship rather than hang around and walk on Nebraska. The, the days of, of living, breathing, sleeping, eating Nebraska football are gone for a lot of these guys. Times have changed. There's a few of them that still do. I mean, Garrett Nelson, I mean, he if he hadn't gotten a scholarship, I guarantee you he would have walked on here. You know, and, and we've got examples like, you know, Matt Masker and some of those other guys that really want to have that opportunity. But for the most part, some of those guys that if you want to call them kind of the second tier guys, if they get a scholarship offer to go someplace else and play, they're doing it. Now, what's the overall in-state talent? I've listened to quite a few people on talk radio say that the talent in Nebraska has never been better. There are a lot of Division I, uh, you know, recruits coming out of our state based upon the size of the population. So talents here, it's a matter of making connections and developing relationships, of which, you know, Scott Frost basically gave lip service to. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people that are saying that he's let, you know, just because of his lack of ability to develop some relationships with these players, he lost a lot. So. Okay. Uh, Joel Tilson with Northwestern Fire Pat Fitzgerald. No. No. Not unless he does something very un-Fitzgerald-like. I think Pat Fitz, I've said this several times, I think Pat Fitzgerald's one of the best coaches in the nation. I think he's also one of the most stand-up human beings in coaching that you can find. Uh, but no, they won't, they won't fire Pat Fitzgerald for any reason. I, again... Remember what I said about Wisconsin being a Big Ten university? Northwestern is a Big Ten university. Their football program is not, again, not the spearhead of what makes Northwestern Northwestern. In fact, none of their sports is what makes Northwestern Northwestern. The fact that they're incredible nerds, like their journalism college and some of the other stuff there, is what makes them Northwestern. So... Would they like to win? They'd obviously have invested a crap ton of money in their facilities and stuff lately. But don't confuse that with the idea that they're going to put it at the same level of, of let's say, an Ohio State or Michigan. Uh, Todd, Vince Watson, what if the new coach has a man bun? <laughs> he looks shocked. He's not sure what to think. I... Oh. Well, as long as he's not Urban Meyer or Hugh Freeze, I'll cheer for him. <laughs> will Will you grow a man bun? No, my hair <laughs> is not equipped for a man bun. Oh, okay. Let's see. I, I got rid of those two. I did that one. Where I'm going to take this. Uh, Kingsley Gibbons, how are we feeling about basketball so far? I have no idea. You know what? I think basketball. I told you guys this 
several times with regards to the football. I'm just going to take basketball one game at a time. You know, Sunday I started watching the Arkansas Pine Bluff game. Uh, we were behind at half, 39 to 36, I think it was. My rotten son came down stairs and said, do you know what their Ken Palm rating was? And he said it's 353. That means they're the 353rd rated team out of 360. And I felt so bad about it, I turned it off and I sulked in my, damn it, we lost to Wisconsin. The basketball team, everything is hell. And I just felt sorry for myself. And then in the second half, they came out and just destroyed Arkansas playing buff. Uh, Derek Walker is not, still not playing. Blaze Keita needs to learn how to play at this level of basketball. Uh, I just take it at one game at a time. If I had to pick at the end of the season, I'm not going to do that. That's just what I'm going to do. I said, you know, I'm, I'm just not. I just don't have it in me to do that. Uh, I don't want us to fire two coaches in the same freaking ceiling. Feeling. I, and I just, okay, we're at 57 minutes and we're going to take one more question. I think. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Why do you not want Urban? David Shaw. David Shaw's an interesting guy, but I don't. I don't think. Do you want to touch on David Shaw? No. Okay. Uh, not going to happen. How about how answer. about Shane? How about Shane Coons's question? How patient well, should fans be? Okay, you know what? We'll take that with David Matney's earlier, earlier question. What does success mean in year one, year three? In year one, it means playing consistent, hard-nosed, fundamentally sound football. It means winning it means winning the games you should win, not throwing games away, not not imploding. That's what success in year one looks like. In year three, I would like to think that in year three, Nebraska is competing nose to nose with, well, by year three, it won't be the Big Ten West anymore. Right. But certainly, certainly with its rivals, I would like to think that in year three, Nebraska is getting wins against Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, and and those those teams, those type those types of teams. That's what I'd like to see in year three. If that means you know they have seven eight wins, that would be wonderful. Um, but I know that there are some people that you know they've seen some of these coaches flip programs in two years. You know, and now now the standard is if they can't flip them in two years, get rid of them. Now, um, what we didn't see from Scott Frost was continued improvement. We never saw that. Now, throw in the fact that after, you know, what was it in year three is when COVID hit his third year was the COVID year that threw things all out of whack. My gut feeling is that if year three had been a full season and played out uh that may well have been the end of scott frost who knows i think year one's going to be i think this is going to be a very difficult uh, 
I think it's going to be very difficult to rebuild this football team because of the line situation. Todd and I have talked about that before. I think you just don't find offensive line anywhere. Maybe maybe the next coach can come in can actually have an offensive line coach that knows how to coach offensive line and we can get something out of it. But uh, Jan Huff shows up and she is always, or he is always just being, all these comments on the YouTube uh, videos, uh, kind of either negative or the fan of another team that likes to poke us. But I think that uh, year one, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to expect much, no matter who the coach is. And I hope that fans don't go out there and go, well, if they were a good coach, we'll turn it around one year. Okay, well, you remember how we were getting up Scott Frost seven years? Yeah, okay, whatever. But I think in year three, here's how I th would like to see us in year three. In year three, what I want us to do, what, how many teams are we going to have? 16 in the Big Ten by that time? <laughs> Was it? Yeah, 14, 16 with USC and UCLA. Okay, I want us to be in the top four. Michigan, Ohio State, they're probably going to stay there. Penn State, Penn State, USC, UCLA, Nebraska. We need to be in the top four out of those teams. I think those are going to be the top teams in the Big Ten in year three of whatever the coach this is. Uh, I would like to just see us be up there. And I don't think that, you know, it's necessary that we're on the top all the time. But I think in, in the new world that's going to come on to us in the next two or three years, uh, what you're going to do is going to be more like the NFL where you want to finish in the upper way at the top of your division, get into like a playoff that they're going to expand it. I don't know if I like any of this, but that's where I want us to be in, in let's say, year three of this coach. So I don't know. We do we have we had somebody. There was another thing that came up and it went by. Um, you guys need to start showing up earlier at seven thirty because this show we're going to keep at seven thirty because Todd's old and uh, you know I'm old and uh, and we can't go as late as the other ones. So I uh, I don't know what else. There was a whole gob of stuff. Yeah, so we were basketball. Basketball, just take it one game at a time, you know? Well, you know, before we sign off, we do play Iowa this week. And it's we the do. week That's... today. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to be cheering like hell because there's no team that I'd rather see Nebraska beat than, than the Iowa Hawkeyes. Will they do it? Can they do it? Who the hell knows? But, you know, what, what we got to realize is that Iowa has an incredible defense. That defense won the game for them against Minnesota. Um, they won games earlier in the season when the offense um, couldn't couldn't do a dang thing. Um, we'll see. It would be nice if uh, the team can rally, go over to Iowa City, get a win, and keep Iowa from the Big Ten championship game. That would be awesome. Oh, my God, Iowa. Somebody earlier asked, is Iowa beatable? Yeah, Iowa is very beatable. Their offense isn't very good. I think the key to beating Iowa is who's going to make mistakes. I mean, you look at how Iowa plays football and with Brian Ferentz. And honestly, what Nebraska did very well against Wisconsin for most of the game. Like, there were two times we punted from the 50-yard line. And both times on Twitter I said, we need to punt here and make Wisconsin drive the length of the field. And I, honestly, I did this. By God, you follow me on Twitter. I said before, right before Graham Mertz threw his interception, 
it would be nice to see Graham Mertz interception thrower. In other words, what we did in those situations, we played it a little safer than normal, and we forced Wisconsin into making mistakes instead of us making mistakes. And that's really what we need to do to Iowa to win. Now, what is hard about that is that Iowa's defense is very, very good. Their coach is exceptional. Their defense, Riley Moss is probably, I don't know, what's he, uh, one of the top defensive backs in the nation. Uh, I don't think they have really good star players necessarily that stand out or get to win awards. Well, other than Moss probably. Well, Cooper DeGene is going to be a stud. Yeah. He's going to be something but, else. You have to. We have to play mistake-free football against Iowa, and that means limit the turnovers. Make them go the whole length of the field if they're going to score, even if it's three points. You know, so this will be you know the Kirk Friends thing where he can he will love to punt from our thirty-five yard line and be perfectly happy with that. So can we beat them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can beat them. We could have beat Wisconsin. We probably could have beat Minnesota. But will we beat him? Oh, my God, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> would it be nice to beat him? Yes, it'd be lovely. I would love to do a post-game reaction video where I can laugh my fucking ass off against with Iowa and say you didn't get to win the Big Ten West because you lost to stinky Nebraska. Because we are just not a very good football team, and that's being mild. And I would love to see that. Do I think it's going to happen? I'm not even thinking about it right now. Todd, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, we're going to go down to Lincoln, spend uh, Thanksgiving with my parents. Then we're headed to Dubuque on Friday to spend time with my daughter and her husband and granddaughter. I will be in Dubuque, Iowa, when Nebraska is playing against the Iowa Hawkeyes, right in the heart of Hawkeye country. And nothing would give me greater joy than at about 7, 38 o'clock to hit Dubuque wearing my Husker gear and just feeling damn good. Did you about... need me to send you a jacket? <laughs> I would be laughed out of the bar. You know, Cause I can't wear that. I can't pull that off, John. I can't. You know, the neat thing about being me, Todd, is sometimes I look so helpless and act so helpless. People are like, oh, my God, he's fragile. Just leave him alone. That's probably not true at all. All right. I, I think our Thanksgiving, we're just here with uh, Noah and his fiance and the granddaughter are coming over and then Isaiah are here. And there you go. There you It'll go. Just a happy Thanksgiving at home. Uh, let's see. I guess happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. I hope you, everybody, thank you for showing up. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, you know, we'll we'll be here next week, I guess. I think that's it, Todd. Hey, good night, John. Good night, Todd. <laughs>